We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in X's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. If you look at who they have on their roster, you know, they're as good as anybody in the league. And their interior D-line with Simmons, they got Dupree on the edge. You know, they, they started off really well. Their safeties move in unison. You know, one of the better safety duos in the league. So they make it very difficult in their zone coverages in, in terms of disguising and, and just showing one hand and doing the other. So for us, going out there and executing me, making my decision, being decisive with it and living with it, you know, going back and looking at the film from last year, uh, too many times just my eyes are in the wrong spots, and I can help clean that up, again, just with eyes and ball placement, allowing our guys to catch and, and, and go. But, again, they're, they're as tough as anybody. They've given us problems, like you said, for the last couple of years, and, and we all know what happened last week, and they're, they're going to be a motivated team coming into uh, you know, our stadium Monday night, so we got to be ready for that. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pal Report podcast. I am your host, Phil, season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and that was Joshua Allen talking about the challenges the Titans represent ahead of our home opener on Monday Night Football. Chris, uh, you can find that the full interview over at buffalobills.com. Is that correct? It's always where you find press conferences. We are here. It's finally here. Talking about our week two preview, the Tennessee Titans against the Buffalo Bills. Your time, 7.15 p.m. Eastern Standard, the place, Ralph Wilson Stadium, Orchard Park, New York. Your weather report, and this is a kick in the stones, scattered thunderstorms and a 50% chance of rain, low windage, a balmy 73 degrees. By kickoff, they're talking about variable clouds with scattered thunderstorms, low of 62 10 to 15 mile an hour winds, 50% chance of rain. God. It's not what we want for the home opener. Remember the days when we were just shirtless out in the mud lot? Just why we shirtless? 
<laughs> we weren't shirtless anywhere. The only place you are ever shirtless is at the waterfront, which makes no sense to me. Or my kitchen. That's fair. I do this thing with Jessica where I'll just pull up my shirt and just show her show her the goods. The fact that you're hairy like Steve Carell. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Ah, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> the line on this one, the Bills, a, a whopping nine and a half point favorite as of today. I got minus 10 on the Yahoo app. Oh, my God. And on the call, Chris, who do we have? NFL played it right. We had uh, Russell Wilson in the uh, Broncos Seahawks game week one. So we're not doing the doubleheader week one. We got to have all the focus on that game. So they're doing the doubleheader this week, and we we get the B team. Who's the A team? A team is Joe Buck and Troy Aikman now. They're doing. Troy Aikman can kick rocks. They're doing Minnesota. And that guy's face, you look at him now, he's so old, he looks like a white Jay Z. He, he looks. <laughs> now that you think about it, think about it, and you can see it next to each other. He looks like a white Jay Z. So the B the B lineup is what Lewis Riddick, Lewis Riddick, Steve Levy, and because they, I like Lewis Riddick because Brian Greasy took the quarterback coach job at San Francisco. The third Mike belongs to Dan Orlovsky. That'll be it. You know what I like? I like that lineup almost better than Joe Buck. And Troy Aikman, because Troy Aikman's kind of insufferable. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for those that are going to be watching the game, because if you watch any of Dan Orlovsky's hits on NFL Live or on SportsCenter, he's just yelling the entire time. <laughs> he just gets so excited about football and breaking down a play. Well, I and, feel and, like good he's, quor- and he loves good quarterback play, so obviously we're going to be giving him the goods. Yeah, hopefully nobody... Gonna, dude, he's going to be pitching a half stack like Ron Burgundy, walking around the newsroom in front of a Veronica Corningstone. <laughs> yeah, hopefully nobody uh, runs out of the back of the end zone. Oh, my God. Injuries of note, the Buffalo Bills. Ton and Quentin Morris is questionable with a hamstring. Swing offensive tackle Tommy Doyle, questionable with an ankle injury. Defensive tackle Ed Oliver, questionable with an ankle. Although, I'm, if you believe Thigh Doctor of the Buffalo Fanatics Network, he's kind of broken down the injury and doesn't think it's going to be that serious because it's not the outside of the ankle, it's the inside. He's got a really interesting tweet about that over at the Fanatics Network. Go check that out. For the Tennessee Titans, not so good. Cornerback uh, Elijah Molden just got sent to the IR this week. Played 50% of the team's snaps last year at cornerback. Cornerback uh, and safety Lonnie Johnson is questionable with a shoulder injury. He also missed the Giants game. Swing guard Jamarco Jones, questionable with a shoulder. Backup offensive linebacker. So, so basically, Ola Edeni, not going to try to pronounce that. Questionable with a neck injury. And the thing I guess I look at is I go, this is a team that wasn't that deep to begin with. Now, first of all, let's just address this out of the gate, Chris. The the, the crown jewel of this week, it's not going to be on the football field. No, it's going to be out there in the mud lot as the Rock Pile Report podcast makes its triumphant return to the mud lot for the season opening tailgate. Yep, I'll be there. Oh, look at that. You and me you and me are like Hulk Hogan, Macho. In fact, if anything, me and Iman are like, uh, what was it, the superpowers? The um, mega powers. The, the mega powers. And then you're like our manager, like what, Elizabeth? <laughs> I mean, I'm not that effeminate, but. You're our Elizabeth? <laughs> but either way. We've combined forces, and ever since then, our food, look at it, our food is off, this, off the charts. We have gourmet fix-ins, we have a great atmosphere, a ton of music, what, Iman's making ribs? 
uh, right there in the lot from scratch. Uh, the party starts at 10 a.m. That's when the grills are going to start getting hot, boys and girls. We're going to be out there until right up about an hour before kickoff. Make sure you stop by and say hi. I'm going to be. I'm going to have my famous homemade Chick Fil A sliders, little brioche buns, little homemade homemade uh, wet brine dry dry batter. Going to turkey fry them bitches up. Uh, your famous wing dip. Yep. Mark's going to show up with high life spritzes. <laughs> if you've ever seen a Miller High Life tr- turned into a high end beverage. Yeah, I like how you have written on our notes here and other assorted side dishes and nonsense. Yeah, because Mark it's, shows it's up with poor. It's poor food. Yeah, Mark shows up with forty dollars worth of. This is what Mark is going to do. He's going to show up with the Little Caesars pizza, forty dollars worth of Little Debbie. Icy's going to show up with all his. Su- he called it "quote unquote" some Southern sides. I don't know what that means. Oh, Icy's coming. Oh, Icy's coming. He's coming in hot. It's going to be a day in the mud lot with the Rock Pile Report. Guys, we're going to be out there all day raising hell, drinking beers, pumping music. Make sure you come see us, right? Come out for it. I think Pat Cleary and the boys are coming down. From Canada, yeah. Is this the famous race? Are we finally having it? I'm going to blow the doors off that old fuck. (laughs) You're in your late 40s, sir. There's no way you can outrun me. Actually, none of that's true. Disclaimer. Drew Gear is very slow. Right, well, he, uh, let me he's ha- very, actually highly on it. Let me, <laughs> so let me ask you this. You guys are going to race. <laughs> foot race. A it's foot gonna, race. It's going to be like Fast and Furious, where, where they take off. And at the end of the very first one, when they take off from the line together. Okay, yeah. Let me, well, let me ask you this, because this is important. Or, because I don't want you to have any type of advantage. Are you going to have to run... The same as him? You're not going to run with your fist on the ground? (laughs) Yes, a two-point stance for this one, not a four-point stance. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, damn it, guys. This game, I'm already excited about this. Just for the the number of people who have said they're going to come out, who have messaged us, reached out, it's going to be incredible. Because not only is this the most exciting home opener in decades, but it's against this team. Oh, do I? I am sick of the Tennessee Titans. They're a team, a franchise, a brand of football that I simply don't respect. And we've got a pretty ugly shared history. Uh, You go back to the home run throwback, which I blame for fracturing not just my belief in the world. Like at the age of 13, I'm just like, wait a minute. So people can just fuck you over and there's no consequence. No, this can't be right. I'll sue. I'm 13. I don't know how that works. So I'm just outside hitting rocks off the side of the house, crying. Like, And also for fracturing what might have been some of my familial relationships because of the way the team just deteriorated from there. Uh, Bud Adams. Bud Adams shooting our fans the double middles from the upper deck in his suite. Like, you know, and I'm, I'm almost not even mad about that. I'm impressed because at least an owner had the balls to be like, I don't fucking respect you as fans. <laughs> Fuck you, but thanks for your money. That bullshit COVID game and the shit Taylor Lewan talk that Bill's Mafia chased him off social media for in the aftermath. The Josh Allen slip and fall on Monday Night Football that wouldn't have been necessary if the refs didn't have Henry on their fantasy football rosters. And called holding once in a while. Oh, and I bet those pricks thought we forgot about that, uh, the, like the fake Music City Miracle nonsense that they pulled in the last game. I will see them in hell. 
And then there's just the stink, right? The stink of that mustachioed idiot Jeff Fisher that I don't think you can ever really wash off this franchise, can you? I mean, is it, when you think when you think about Tennessee Titans, I don't I, I don't know who the head coach after Jeff Fisher was. I know who Vrabel is only because I remember him celebrating after he beat the Patriots in Foxborough in 2019. Do you know? I'm giving it a goog. Give it, give it a goog there. So, like Jeff Fisher is synonymous with Tennessee Titans football. And he sucks. Like, here's something that's new and hilarious. Because I know every year I take an opportunity to punch down on Jeff Fisher. We all know that he's tied with Dan Reeves for the all-time NFL loss record, right? He's tied mm-hmm. as the losingest NFL head coach ever. Well, here's a tiebreaker for you. This past summer, he coached the USFL's Michigan Panthers. And at the time of his hiring, he was viewed as a quote-unquote get for this fledgling football league. Something that would help give it some additional credibility. Except he went 2-8, and eight, mostly on the back of what fans and Sports Illustrated referred to as, quote-unquote, at times, highly questionable decision-making. Ready for this? Yeah. 2011 to 2013, Mike Munchak. <laughs> then... I forgot that happened. 2014 and 15... Ken Wisenhunt. Oh, my God. See, you're just like peeling back layers of NFL history that I forgot happened. 2015 to 2017. Everyone's favorite, Mike Malarkey. Oh, my God. That's right. Malarkey was it. See, look at this. You're talking about the drunkest portion of my life. Who had, that's hilarious. Who had the Who had the better? When I say better record, I'm going by win percentage. Well, I mean, I'm surprised Mike Malarkey didn't just quit. <laughs> Malarkey had the best win percentage of course at, he at did. 488. He was 20 and 21, while Mike Munchak was 22 and 26. And then, well below that, was Wisenhunt was with his three and twenty <sighs> record. <laughs> oh, Chris, you have no idea the service you just did me. I yeah. feel good. And Ken Wisenhunt works at Penn State as an analyst. Yeah, he better. Mike Munchak. Go back to talking about football. Clearly you're done. Mike Munchak, I believe, is retired. And then Mike, and guy, I think Mike Malarkey is also <laughs> retired. Yeah, Mike Malarkey's retired. As they should be. So this is the thing, I guess. At least Dan Reeves knew that he was washed and just said, hey, I'm done. I'm going to walk away. Good old Jeff, all he did was he goes, all right, the NFL's done with me. Let me edge up these sideburns. Let me put some mustache wax on and roll out here and make an ass out of myself all over again on the sideline of a football team. (laughs) Shouldn't that qualify him as the biggest loser in NFL head coaching history, Chris? <laughs> For all of our Titans fans from Reddit who have found their way to our podcast this week, if this doesn't underscore for you that we are the hardest drinking, pettiest Bills podcast on earth, I don't know what will. I digress. As we go into talking about the actual game, there's no way I'm going to tolerate the idea that these guys can come in here and take a dump all over my Super Bowl parade route. I'm sorry. I'm just not willing to hear it. Like the Rams, hey, we talked that. We talked about that. That, that was one I thought would come down to a field goal. This game, 
It had better not. It had better not. So if we're talking about who these guys are, let's start by talking about their offense. The Tennessee Titans offense was one that I personally prognosticated would be arguably one of 2022's most one-dimensional attacks in football. And you look at why. They, they lost their starting wide receivers from 2021. They have a lack of experience at the skill positions around Derrick Henry. They retained offensive coordinator Todd Downing after a down year, <laughs> which is a shitty pun that I absolutely intended. Just it, it, Trying to replace Arthur Smith who left to take the Falcons head coaching job back in 2021. Downing is where I want to start this conversation because he is constantly derived over the course of my research for these shows. I use a number of different outlets. I read articles. I look at stats. I try to get a feel for what their own fan base is thinking in the comments of every single article on every single SB nation fan post forum post blog post. This guy is constantly being derided by the Titans fan base. You don't have to take my word for it. Let them tell you themselves. Because what I did was the other day, just out of curiosity, after I noticed this dynamic, I went to the Titans Reddit subreddit page. And I just posted, I said, look, Bill's podcaster here, doing some research. And it occurs to me that you guys really hate Todd Downing. Can you explain to me why? That... Simple question, Chris. 20,000 views, more than 20,000 views and 140 comments later. I'm convinced they'd love it if the team bus backed over Downing as they were leaving the hotel on Monday. I've now I put screenshots in the notes, Chris, so that you can follow along with me here because some of these are my favorite. Uh, somebody posted a meme and it was that video of Elmo where he's like looking at fruits and there's a pile of cocaine on the table. <laughs> and they're comparing the fruits and vegetables to quality memes and game analysis. And the Elmo is listed as me, and the pile of cocaine is Todd Downing roast memes. <laughs> like the fan base is snorting these with six hands. <laughs> there's a there's a photo a meme someone made of the coach from the Waterboy holding the f- book called Complete Idiot's Guide to Coaching College Football, and it's just labeled Todd Downing against the Giants. Chris, what's underneath that one? What's that meme? Let me go to it. Uh, it is. <laughs> Somebody took a still of Fox News, greatest threat to world peace, and it's Todd Downing, 41%, fo- followed by Kim Jong-un, 17%. Uh, 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 Kamahari, whatever from Iran, 8%. Putin at 8%. Z- uh, Jinping from China at 7%. Todd Downing is the greatest threat to world peace, according to Tennessee Titans fans. Yeah, it's and, a it's a great meme. As long I just wish they could have shaded that background blue to make it match everything else. And then you look at the some of the comments that I got on this thread, and they I go, "Why do you guys hate Todd Downing?" Uh, Food stamps ninety nine says because he didn't learn anything from the playoff loss and used the off season to not unfuck himself. Uh, I underscore am underscore researching responds right now. It's because the typical fan is only capable of assessing the productivity of their team's offense. And obviously the offensive coordinator has to be the blame because everyone else did well. To which someone responded, explain the tight end jet sweep, which we're going to talk about in a bit. Uh, what is this? Uh, Yaman Sin t- replies, Jeff Swaim is obviously a Hall of Fame caliber tight end. You can tell based on how many times he's on the field more than Derek fucking Henry. 
Oh, somebody named bloated Canadian, which just made me laugh. Like, isn't that these you these Reddit handles are hilarious. Bloated Canadian says, hey, Drew, Todd Downing is like, if you know that you can make the best cake anyone ever like someone could make the best take cake anyone had ever tasted. Just the thought of it makes weaker men cream their pants. The cake is moist and there is the perfect ratio for frosting that it just melts in your mouth. Now imagine that the guy cooking it just fucked the cake and left his pubes in the frosting. That's my favorite one. That's graphic. Like, what did these people hate this guy? And it's just funny. Like, you hear things like, okay, accomplished B from Reddit goes, you ever work with a quote-unquote expert on something and they seem absolutely lost with the simple aspects of the job? That's Todd Downing. You ever get behind someone on the I-40 that wants to drive 55 miles an hour while on their cell phone? That's Todd Downing. Wonder if Queen Elizabeth couldn't stand another season of bullshit so she just let go? That's Todd Downing. (laughs) He invoked the death of the Queen in his hatred for Todd Downing. Oh, they've ref- oh my god. It's it's hilarious. And then you look at some of the things like I sent to uh Greg and Aaron from over cover one because I just couldn't believe just how graphic some of these fans were in their hatred for this guy. Uh like what was this? Uh this uh he's a fat loser and has body odor. <laughs> he gives the Titans an extra chromosome. He's a shill for he's a shill for for profit mental health care institutions who make money off sending skill players to therapy. <laughs> if I had a gun with two bullets and I was in a room with Hitler, Bin Laden, and Downing, I would shoot Downing twice. <laughs> and it just, Chris, it just kept going. hundred and forty comments worth of this. My, by now, it's probably up to hundred and sixty. So, with all of that in mind, especially considering that they lost to the Brian Dable led Giants. I expected to go to the charts, look at the stats, and see them running a style of offense that was like from 1970. Three yards in a cloud of dust. What I found surprised me. Tannehill might have had one of his most efficient days as a passer in the NFL. Twelve pass attempts of more than ten plus air yards and only two incompletions, no picks, and a touchdown. That doesn't sound like a team playing small ball, does it? No. Only four pass attempts at traditional screen passes. Something that you wouldn't expect for a team that doesn't have a single proven downfield threat on the roster. (laughs) One of the bitches somebody from their subreddit brought to my attention was that they were like, well, he doesn't ever have any plans to dial up boundary plays for his wide receivers. And I go back to that play against the Rams where Stephon Diggs is being covered by Jalen Ramsey and they do kind of an uh, almost like a sluggo route, except it's to the boundary and he just breaks Jalen Ramsey's ankles and Diggs catches a pass for a first down. You remember that play? Yeah. Okay. They're like, he doesn't have anything like that. Well, how much of that is his fault? I mean, who's the most talented boundary-wide receiver they've had in the last 20 years? Uh, Derek Mason? Kenny Britt? I don't think they've had anyone talented in that capacity since those two guys. Yeah, but also their offense doesn't call for that. No. They just want to run the ball <clears throat> and throw it 15 times a game. Well, and when you look at the off, the performance of their offensive line and see that, well, the Giants aren't a contending roster. Their defensive line isn't bereft of talent. They've got Dexter Lawrence, who's a big, big, like, nose tackle, one tech. Leonard Williams, who we all know to be a veteran, decent pass rusher at the in, interior defensive line. Aziz Ojolari, who I always butcher his name. I'm surprised I got it right that time. As a rookie, he looked promising. I don't know what he's going to be this year. 
Kayvon Thibodeau was one of the highest rated pass rushers coming out in this year's draft. He was arguably supposed to be the first one off the board. But the Titans managed to give the deceptively mobile Ryan Tannehill almost perfect protection. Five pressures, three hits, two hurries, and zero sacks. So for a team that generated 359 yards worth of offense, you'd be surprised to find out that, like, well, first you're surprised to hear that these guys hate him. Like, doesn't it sound like the offensive coordinator called a fairly decent game? Allegedly. 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 And this is where it gets interesting. Derrick Henry only managed three and a half yards per carry. And the Titans still move the football. And despite two fumbles and the lack and that lack of you know, production on the ground, found a way to almost beat what should be a bad football team. That almost makes you want to dig into it a little bit more. Because you go, at f- some, these things don't, these two narratives that are being crafted here in front of me, like the numbers don't align with this narrative. I need to know more. I came across what I think are probably the most viable offensive threats to Buffalo, and I think I understand where the problem comes from. It goes back to, first of all, that talk about how there's no boundary presence for the, for the Titans in the passing game. Look at their, they don't have a Cooper Cup. They don't have an Allen Robinson. They've got some interesting athletic profiles, but there's a problem with the way they're built when it comes to playing football at this level. Traylon Burks, he's a rookie who interestingly just saw the fourth most snaps among all wide receivers. I mean, he only had 24 compared to Robert Woods' 47. But he finished the week second among all wide receivers in average separation with almost five yards per route run, which tells you that for a raw rookie going up against Wink Martindale's man coverage heavy cover one scheme, the Giants really let him get away from him, and I'm surprised he didn't put up a bigger stat line, which tells me that Tannehill may not be, but think about, we joked all offseason about how Traylon Burks wasn't on the practice field. Yeah. You're like, you traded away A.J. Brown for a guy with asthma? It's probably an issue. Well, it didn't seem like they were on the same page, and it seems like they're still working him in slowly. Robert Woods led all wide receiver in snaps. Now, he's coming in with an ACL tear, and if you were only box score watching, you'd think he was barely on the field. He had two targets and one catch. He paced all wide receivers with 71% of the snaps, and to the frustration of Titans fans everywhere, was basically just a decoy in the passing game. A healthy Robert Woods was a fan, like when you think back to his time with the Rams, he was a fantastic motion piece and a real run game asset for the Rams. The Bills are going to have to account for him, even if there isn't much on tape with him as the Titans as far as how they're going to use him. I think the frustration from the fan base, if you're a Titans fan, is that Robert Woods had opportunities. His one catch went for 13 yards and a first down. And you say to yourself, what the fuck are we doing with this guy out there on the field that much if we're never going to use, if all he is is a set piece as a blocker? Teams figure that out pretty quickly. Like, at least when he was playing for a real offensive coordinator in Sean McVay, McVay could make him dangerous by occasionally giving him the ball, making the defense keep him, stay honest, saying, listen, you have to account for Robert Woods. By the third quarter, when you haven't used Robert Woods, even though you're moving him around, nobody cares anymore. (laughs) They've lost interest. They don't believe you. And then you've got Kyle Phillips. He outsnapped their first round pick, even though I think he was like a fourth round pick. He was a huge fan of EJ and Brett. Yeah, over at the Bootleg Football Podcast. They loved this kid. And I was afraid he was going to end up with the Patriots, just based on his profile, what they talked about. They said he had the ability to potentially be the next like Edelman 
type of receiver. And he outsnapped their first round pick last week and was one of the better value picks. I mean, he he got open, he made himself available, he made plays for the team. These are all targets the Bills are going to have to deal with, but they're hard to scout because their most productive receiver was the goddamn backup running back. <laughs> like, that's it. The guy who led you in receiving yards and touchdowns was a backup running back who had 66 yards and two touchdowns. So they're going to be a problem in the sense that you're already going to be running a ton of zone defense. We're going to be obligated to do that and ensure that we have enough coverage for their rushing attack. And the fact that we've been burned too many times by Ryan Tannehill leaking out of the backfield and running for touchdowns, running for first downs when nobody accounts for him. Like by now, Leslie Frazier, I, I should hope, has seen this movie enough times to know that if you don't account for that dynamic, that we're going to get burned by it. So we're gonna probably going to install a zone-heavy scheme for this game. And that makes some of these guys tough to match up with in the immediacy of the moment. Like when you think about what it is. They're going to throw a lot of short and intermediate passes, which could seemingly play well for a team that had some fantastic zone coverage against the Rams. I just, I wonder who their offense is going to flow through. And then I look back at some of these, I go back to some of these Reddit comments about how their offense is going to be orchestrated. And I see, I go back to Yaman Sin, who made fun of Jeff Swain being the Hall of Famer. Another bullet point he made. We converted three out of 11 third down opportunities. For fuck's sake, just give the ball to Henry on third and short. No need to demonstrate all the cool shit you saw in Madden when you don't have the personnel for that. You're trying too hard to disprove your blatant dumbassery. <laughs> Here's a revamp offensive roster and we still have the same bullshit. So, obviously there's something wrong here, right? There's a disconnect between the talent that they have to put on the field and the guy who's orchestrating when and where to use them. And the fact remains, they're going to force our team to rally to the ball quickly in space. And the Bills aren't likely to be able to deploy the same ferocious pass rush and enjoy the same kind of success to offset the use, the use of the cornerback room the way we did against the Rams. Now, I'm not trying to shit anyone's souffle here, but I think that it would be a tall order to ask the Bills to replicate what they did against the Rams in this game. Remember what I said in a recap podcast yesterday about how that Rams game was the Bills flexing the athletic ability of the defensive line and showing how wide and thin they can spread an offensive line out in pass protection and then just spin, stunt, and just use athleticism to bend the edge and get pressure on a quarterback. That approach against a team that's built like this is going to badly expose your linebackers because this is a team that likes to get up up the field quickly in blocking. And if you do that, if your defensive line is organized too wide, Ryan Tannehill's a veteran. He's going to, he'll audible at the line to a run and they'll run, they'll punch you in the face for four yards. And you say, well, it's four yards. It won't matter. But if it's four yards and four yards and four yards, guess what, guess what that is, Chris? That's a first down. You're not going to be able to play the same type of defense that you did last week because otherwise you're going to badly expose your linebackers. And unfortunately, this team has both of the key pieces of that, which is a team, a line that can run block and an elite running back talent. That's also that approach is going to help protect Tannehill and force Leslie Frazier to deploy a much more traditional-looking four-man front, maybe at times some 4-3 over, 4-3 under, with Shaq Lawson at the same line, same linebacker position. Now, Chris, do you want to make a Seagram's bet right now? 
I'm so confident on the way this matchup stacks up at Oliver's health that Shaq Lawson will be active for this game. That's the Seagram's bet. Do you want to put an under over on his snap count or do you just want to make it that he's active? That's if anybody listening wants to uh, take that, then yeah, at Rock do, Power Report. do that. That's uh, and if you want that, to talk snap count, I'll have that conversation with you at Rock Power Report. Let's talk about Shaq Lawson's involvement. In I'm this not game. confident enough to know the ins and outs of which players should play when and how many snaps and the matchup and that aspect. So I'm not confident in myself. To See, take... I'm itching for a win because I, I showed my ass last week and talked about Saran Neal and about how I thought, like, this is a game where you let a veteran presence come in and, oh, no, no, they trusted the kids. They said, hey, fuck it, guys, go out there, make plays. We Dan better. Jackson, interception. Uh, you had uh, the Benford, Elam, solid coverage grades. They did well considering the type of competition they were up against. Yeah, we better win. I mean, we've lost to him the last two times we played him. Well, I'm talking about me winning this one. I need no. a win in terms of my personnel usage. We're going to have to put all hands on deck to stop Derrick Henry and avoid a repeat of poor Josh Norman being thrown five yards by his face, which I'm positive that somebody in his family still throws in his face whenever they get into a fight. You know he has that one dickhead cousin that's just like... It probably happens every Thanksgiving. When he's like, when he's like yo, man... You know, they go out to dinner, and they leave, and he's like, yo, did you never pick up a check? And he goes, yeah, well, you can't stop there. Like, at least I didn't get embarrassed in front of the whole country on Monday Night Football. And J and Josh Norman just has to go, fuck. Ah, yeah. I eat that one. <laughs> I mean, and, and I give him credit. It, that's how I would mock my friends and siblings, right? Yeah. Something like that happens to you, Chris? I'll bring it up. Cool. I think I do pretty regularly. I think that there's a lot of things that the Bills are going to have to. The, the presence of Derrick Henry and the sellout job that we're going to have to do to stop that is going to open up opportunities for the Titans in the short passing game. In the deep passing game, I don't know. They're going to they're going to take some home run shots. They're going to. That's what their offense is built to be. At the same time, though, I don't know that they have the horses to execute it enough to make enough explosive plays to keep pace with ours. And that's where you talk about the Tennessee defense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bills are going to have a much different challenge compared to what they saw in L.A., because the Titans are a different type of team. And by different, I mean they lost to the fucking Giants. <laughs> the, 
The defensive line, though, you rack up four sacks against the Giants. I mean, they they have a quarterback in Danny Dimes who isn't nearly as elusive or cognizant of pressure as Josh Allen. But make no mistake, Jeff Jeffrey Simmons is a nasty son of a bitch. I love that guy. I love the way he plays football. In the middle of that defensive line, he's just a monster. And while he's not as he's he's not Aaron Donald, he brings the same like, hey, there's a shark in the water, and you better be cognizant of it on every snap. Because he's looking to, he's he's going to dig and he's going to grind. He's going to fight. He's going to play. He's going to play tough. He's going to play physical. He's going to play almost borderline dirty sometimes. And you're just going to have to deal with that. Like Ryan Bates is probably looking at this going, fuck again. Why? <laughs> yeah. You don't get an easy pass. You got to show up and play better than he did in week one against Aaron Donald. And, and he, he had his pants repeatedly pulled down in front of the entire country by one of the best to do it. He's hoping to try to rebound from that. Interior pressure is going to be something to monitor because if there's a way to disrupt the Bills timing and offense, it's getting pressure up the middle, which I mean, obviously Josh Allen has escapability and he can make plays in the run, but it fucks up the dynamic that we kind of laid out last week. Like our offensive coordinator being able to time plays and call plays in succession and kind of weave together this concerto of successful offensive plays that he can kind of rope a dope a defense with. In order to do that, you have to be able to... You can't have a quarterback who on most play is like, hey, we have a really well-designed play here. Oh, fuck, there's just a guy back here. There's there's just a guy or two guys in the backfield putting pressure on a quarterback right in his face off the snap. That, for me, is going to be the... And then you heard Josh at the top of the show. Just the savvy that they bring from a defensive standpoint. They, Kevin Byard is good. Christian Fulton is... Well... They didn't start that way, and we're about to talk that talk about that in a second. But the way that their coaching staff utilizes these guys and kind of disguises what their coverages are does help when you're trying to confuse a quarterback. And so, in a way, it can buy time for the defensive line to get home when the quarterback has to hold the ball for an extra half a second while he reassesses what he's seeing. That we're going to get that in spades because I, Chris, what else do you have to lose if you're the Titans and you're like, listen, we're almost ten point. We're, Depending on what platform, we're 10-point underdogs. We might as well roll the dice. You know, we talked about it in the AFC's Roundup show this week with uh, uh, Elf, Arteaga, and they were talking about how the Dolphins surprisingly stopped Lamar Jackson the last time they played him by just literally walking everybody up to the line of scrimmage and then breaking out into cover one or cover two out of that, and it just left Jackson with nowhere to go, no way to process the defense. That's a good way to stop a quarterback who's... If if you're under talented at certain positions, don't you think that's probably your best bet? Yeah. So I expect to see a lot of attempts at trickeration. I expect to see a lot of rotating and moving safeties, and I just expect to see them doing everything they can to get Josh to hold the ball for just an extra half second, hoping that Simmons and uh, I know Harold Landry's gone, but Bud Dupree's still there, and he's a hoss, he's yep. a pass rusher. Just hoping that those guys can make the difference. Because if they can't, and Josh is allowed to throw from a clean pocket, things are going to get disgusting. And that brings us to tonight's keys to victory. Wow, it's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. The first one's going to be getting vertical. 
Against the Rams, the Bills used a high-to-low approach, playing small ball in order to set up kill shots down the field for chunk yardage as the game progressed. And that's fine, but it's going to be more difficult to do considering this team has a deeper front seven than the team we just saw L.A. put on the field. I mean, we talked about it in that run-up to the game. They... <laughs> the Rams are a paper tiger, in my opinion. I don't think they're the second best team. I'd argue they're probably the third best team in their own division right now. Just in terms of the team's makeup and their depth. Their coaching's top-notch. Their roster is poor. Because they tent-polled it with three players and are expecting a... I digress. That's a whole conversation. We could go down that rabbit hole again. We're going to be playing a much deeper front seven than we did last week. And I think running the ball between the tackles is particularly going to be more difficult because Simmons, his average depth of tackle last week was negative one and a half yards. So his average depth of tackle was behind the line of scrimmage. That's fucking wild. So so what's the, let me ask you this. What's the running back makeup for us going to be? This It'll week. be interesting. Is it gonna is who's gonna be dressed? Well, and this is it. You have to question whether this is a game where they look at it and say, "Listen, we kept James Cook active last week. Fumbled. Didn't really do much for us. He was an empty shirt. Whether that's his fault or not, those the, them's the breaks. That's the reality of the situation. James Cook was an empty shirt for the Buffalo Bills last week." The question can become, do we defer to bringing in a Kyir, uh, Khalil Shakir? Do we keep a Khalil Shakir active this week, knowing that we're going to try to spread their defense out and slow down their pass rush by making them commit more, show their hand a little bit more in coverage, give us some more speed options should we need them? Or do they say, listen, we want another running back who we know can pass protect well, and we have a good feeling about, as a second-round pick, his ability to rebound from a shitty game and come in and catch passes out of the backfield. I don't know. If you had to bet between the two, what do you think it is? I think, based on history of McDermott not giving rookies at the time, unless he absolutely has to, I feel like... It's going to be Cook and, or not Cook, uh, Moss and Singletary. Moss and Singletary? Yeah. I could see that. I'm not going to lie to you. I could see that. I mean, a lot of that's going to come down to Reggie Gilliam and uh, Quentin Morris. But if Quentin Morris, I think if Quentin Morris is healthy, you might see them decide, listen, we'll just keep Gilliam and Moss and uh, Singletary and just roll. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. But here's what I'll say. Their linebackers and defensive tackles posted really good numbers. But when you look at the rest of the defense, Chris, they went up against Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, and Danny Dimes. Even if Saquon Barkley did play his balls off and look electric, nobody's confusing them for the greatest show on turf, but the Titans secondary got torched when they were challenged. All-pro safety, Kevin Byard, entered the season as the highest-rated safety in the NFL. People keep trying to claim that he's better than Poyer or Hyde. He gave up one touchdown, three first downs, and a 100% completion percentage. Allowed, uh, what What was it, Dot? Something called Richie James got two first downs against him. Never heard of the guy. N- nope. Never. What is that, from Major League? I've never heard of the guy. Oh, that's, uh, or you could do eastbound and down uh, when he meets Ivan Dechenko. Hello, I've never heard of you before. <laughs> Starting cornerback Christian Fulton 
who's been forced into starting duties because of injuries and Caleb Fairley's slow ramp up to action after his ACL tear last year was an absolute liability. Again, another guy with 100% of targets allowed. Blew his assignment on Sterling Shepard, giving up a 65-yard touchdown pass that tied the game. Gave up first to three other wide receivers that he was asked to cover with his remaining targets. Sterling Shepard isn't Stephon Diggs. Nope. Sterling Shepard isn't Gabe Davis, I don't think. Who the fuck is this team going to put on these guys? I think they have Roger McCreary. War Eagle. I... You want to put a rookie on Diggs? No. They have some problems, okay? But the Giants aren't the Bills, and our roster represents a major step up in competition, specifically when it comes to beating man coverage. I don't know, because when you think about how their defensive coordinator likes to play things, a lot of gaming, a lot of things, they might have to play zone. They might try to do the thing that every team did, Chris, the two high safeties and just we'll play zone and just pray that the Bills can't beat us. But I think the Rams showed everybody last week that that's not the answer. Because if you do that, we'll still fuck you up. We'll still get you. I mean, there, there's no way that this represents a harder challenge than what we went up against last week in the Rams, right? Yeah. At least from a defensive back point. Our defensive line approach against the Titans' offensive line is going to be one of the keys to whether or not the Bills are successful. Taylor Luan playing? Yes. Yes. Yes, he is. And the Bills are going to need to play a more condensed line of scrimmage. Wait, is he playing for the Titans or is he playing for us? Yeah, you remember that. That's what was that, Chris (laughs) Broussard? Yeah. What an idiot. You're going to have to be more aware of the line of scrimmage, and you're going to have to win that battle against this team if you're going to find the same level of success as you did against the Rams. That puts the onus of this on our defensive line group. And in truth, aren't these the type of games that this defensive line was supposed to have been assembled for? The story of last year was that team the team realized we need to get tougher in the trenches because other teams found it really easy to bully us. Regardless of the cornerback talent we have, the safety talent, the linebacker talent, when we went up against more physical opponents, Tennessee, Indy, the fucking Jaguars... They got the better of us by owning the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. So you go out and you get yourself a Daquan Jones, a Tim Settle, a Shaq Lawson, a Jordan Phillips. You flesh out your depth chart with big guys who are bangers. And then you say, hey, on the other side of the ball, like we need to get faster, more athletic, but also physical. Let's bring in a Roger Saffold. Like you, you built the depth of this team to win these kind of rock fight for the line of scrimmage games. Fresh off a matchup where athleticism and scheme allowed their defensive line to put on a show, this is going to be a close quarters brawl by comparison. It's going to happen in a phone booth. I'm not worried about our offense's ability to operate under those kind of conditions because of Josh Allen's elusiveness, but it's going to be on the defensive line to maintain gap integrity and keep those linebackers clean if we're going to keep their offense off schedule and force the hilariously reviled offensive coordinator Todd Downing into more third and unmanageable situations specifically if you're thinking about how they run last year the titans were the best running the football off the edges and off tackle so that's where henry can kind of get mismatches in size whether he's going up against small linebackers cornerbacks safeties we need to be able to hem that in with solid defensive line play it's going to be a fist fight and we have to be the guys who come out on top 
And that brings us to the last one. Well, second to last. Defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier against offensive coordinator Todd Downing. I go back to the Reddit thread, Chris. A user named Misery Index writes, His standard stuff is mediocre. He calls odd plays at the worst time. I keep seeing two Titans receivers end up within two yards of each other. He has no feel for the game, and his his situational awareness is not good. Chris, doesn't that remind you of some of the Rick Dennison shit I used to throw around years ago? Oh, yeah. That that game where I saw three Bills wide receivers on third and seven end up within five yards of each other, and I threw a beer. In the stadium. That was an $11 beer, and I threw it. Because I'd had enough. (laughs) Yeah, well, now that would be like a $15 beer with inflation. Uh, Here's a... The Boognish on Reddit responds... Oh, actually, no, no, whoa, 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 whoa. We'll start with... Mike the Ghost says, "If a pl- in quotes, if a play works, the other team will expect us to use it. They will never expect us to use dumb plays, so they will work. In quotes, d- credited to Downing, probably, if he can form coherent sentences. <laughs> and then the Boognish just replies, he's a Miracle Whip guy. We're a mayonnaise town. <laughs> you would be hard to find... It would be hard-pressed to find a Titans fan with any faith in this guy, specifically as it relates to his in-game decision-making. It'll take our defensive line doing its job on the early downs, but considering the Titans won an absurd 3 of 11 on third down last week against a pretty pedestrian Giants defense, we could really make this game lopsided in a hurry if we can find the same level of success, if not more. And it doesn't seem like the Giants had to do a ton. Chris, I handed you a chart. I like it. Here is every third down failed conversion they had, right? These are the failures. What I want you to point, look, I I want you to look at this. In the second quarter, third and four, Ryan Tannehill pass incomplete short right to Derrick Henry. Followed up on their next third down attempt, pass incomplete short left for Kyle Phillips. Now, short passes are anything closer to the line of scrimmage than five yards. Uh, Third quarter, nine minutes left, third and two, Ryan Tannehill pass incomplete short right for Dontrell Hilliard. So again, you're trying to, you're just doing little satellite dink and dunk passes around the line of scrimmage and you're missing these throws. One of them got broken up on third and three, right? Nick Westbrook could have gotten it or Westbrook Akinney could have had it, but it was blocked away by a cornerback because I think by that point they were like, fuck these guys and they're short passing. We're crashing the line of scrimmage. I circled for you the most hilarious one of the bunch and I want you to First of all, try to pronounce that guy's name. But second of all, read what happened. I'm not going to pronounce his first name, but it's Okwanu. Okonkwo. Okonkwo? Yes. Sure. Left end for negative four yards, tackled by Austin Calitro and Tay Crowder. On third and one, Todd Downing decided that now is the time, right? We've got him just where we want him. Let's run a tight end jet sweep. Chris, you hate Isaiah McKenzie. I don't Not hate. I don't hate him. But you've referred to him as the the guy is only here to do jet sweeps. Yeah, jet sweeps and okay misdirection. How then, fast is Isaiah McKenzie? Uh, he's pretty fast. I don't give a fuck how fast you think you are as a tight end. You're not Isaiah McKenzie fast. So running a jet sweep on third with one of your four five play four five four six four type players 
that seems like lunacy, doesn't it? Yeah. A whole bunch of missed passes of less than five yards and that jet sweep? You are one pathetic loser. (laughs) This seems like a matchup ripe for the picking in terms of Frazier's ability to run some pre-snap games with our safeties, mix his zone demand coverage, and buy our star defensive line and linebacker talent some opportunities to make genuinely game-changing plays. We finished the game with how many turnovers against the Rams, Chris? Do you recall? Four. Four Four turnovers? Four. Three. I think Allen had three picks? No, no, no. I'm talking about our defense forcing turnovers. Oh, no. I don't remember. Dane Jackson had a pick. That's all I can think of. We had three. Okay, so our defense had three against that offense. We could do the same or better here if we can get them into third and slightly unmanageable to long situations and let this idiot hang him, give him enough rope to hang himself with. I don't think we have to worry about a ton of trickeration coming our way. I really just, just between like, because if you take every Titans fans word for it, you're talking about an offensive coordinator who's basically been bailed out by the talent around him more so than his play calling raising the performance of the people in front of him. I, in a matchup of coordinators, I would give ours a significant advantage both in terms of available talent and his ability to execute and call game-changing plays. And for what it's worth, I have never heard anyone accuse Leslie Frazier of being a Miracle Whip guy. Not ever. Advantage Leslie Frazier. And the final point is going to be crowd noise. I don't think we have to worry about that, do we, Chris? No. This one is a fucking given. We'll be loud, proud, and you will be shirtless at some point. It is the Buffalo Bills home opener in what could be one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen with our own two eyes. Yeah, I'm pumped. That place is going to be packed to capacity. If there was a standing room only area, it would be packed to capacity. Yeah. This place is going to be rocking. And if the Titans make a mistake or two early... It's going to be that much tougher. We're going to expect more than a few crowd assist plays, don't you? Yeah. False starts. Let's let's get it going early. I expect that place to be on fire by kickoff. Yeah. I'm pumped. This is my first home opener since 19. Because 20 was the... uh, 20 was COVID. I'm excited for you to be here for this. Yeah. 21, I didn't have any vacation. And then... uh, yeah. You got a prediction? Well, I think the Titans are going to cover. Really? I don't like that nine and a half. Whoa. <laughs> I, think, I think it's too much of a, uh, like, oh, the Giants beat the Titans, and the way that we beat the Rams, that that line is just inflated. I don't well, think you, they cover. Seagram's on it? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. I think the Bills win by at least two scores. Well, yeah, we've had that conversation with Reed. Like, yeah, everybody... You know, the common fan thinks that, you know, oh, this team is worlds apart from this other team. But no, every team's close. It's just a matter of culture. Every team is close unless you have Joshua fucking Allen. And Todd Downing. (laughs) And so in that way, I expect this to be a drag race. 
I don't expect this to be a neck and neck affair. I expect this to be a drag race. What? Um, well, you saw nine and a half today. Yahoo, the Yahoo app has ten as a spread. I'm already getting fired up. But we got we got to pick a, we got to pick a number here. Pick a number. Is it nine and a half or ten? I'll give you ten. All right. I'll give you ten. They won't cover. Deal. Right. Yeah. Let's Deal. do this. Oh, we're chugging IPA. Look, I'm already getting fired up. I got Montuckies. I got IPAs going over here. Yeah, we'll have Montuckies at the uh, at the tailgate. At the tailgate. If you've in never the had lot, one. In the mud lot. Come get 5330 one. Big Tree Road, 10 a.m. We will be there loud and proud. Make sure you reach out to us on Twitter if you need details as far as where our tailgate is or if on game day you want to find us. Yeah, I'll get back to you on, on that, Drew. Yeah, I, I'm, I lose my phone. During, yeah. during these basically i go into a, a black hole i'll be there all of so if anybody wants to dm us for a location get at us in the dms ah that's at rock power report on twitter guys i am incredibly fired up for this i can't wait but we gotta get the hell out of here i'm drew gear that's chris krueger and this has been your week two preview it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.